0: Pray with me, please. Lord, I just uh, we worship and praise you today, Lord. We have a lot of ground to cover, and this ser this sermon is not even about the transfiguration, Lord. We're gonna we're gonna see a bigger picture of what you're doing in in the life of the disciples, Lord. So so I just pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, Lord, eyes that just that are able to perceive spiritual things ears that are able to understand spiritual things would you speak to us today lord would you help us see even ourselves and in, in the disciples as they're they're confused and they're they're doubting and they're not accepting your mission lord how often are we confused in life not knowing what you're doing in our life and doubting doubting maybe your love or or that you care or that you're in control and 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 resistant to your will, Lord. We can be that way. We're just like these disciples, or as we're your disciples. So uh, so, teach us, Lord. Shape us and mold us by this. Don't let's put a bunch of facts in our our head, but but change us, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So, uh, last week, what we saw was Jesus dealing with the spiritual blindness of, of his disciples. We saw a big moment last week, right, he, 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 where Peter confesses Jesus as the Messiah, right? This is a big moment. Jesus even tells them, hey, man hasn't revealed this. God has revealed this to you, right? God's healing their spiritual blindness. And, and we saw the picture of, of the man who Jesus healed his, his physical blindness in stages, and that was an illustration for how God is is healing the spiritual blindness of His disciples. He's doing it in stages. He's taking them from blind to blurry to clarity, right? And right now things are still blurry to them. The first half of the book of Mark focuses on who Jesus is. If you remember, every week it was like Jesus is King. Repent, believe. G- the kingdom is at hand. Now the second half of the book of Mark is focuses on his mission, right? And we're going to see over and over and over Jesus bringing up the cross, right? It's all about the cross and, and his resurrection. And right now, the, the disciples are not able to accept his mission. They're resistant to his mission. If if you even remember last week, Peter rebukes Jesus when he says he's going to go to the cross and die and rise again. He rebukes Peter, or Jesus. And so so they're not they're not able to accept it. And so what Jesus is doing is, is he's strengthening their faith, bringing them to a place of acceptance, and and he's taking them from blind and demanding where they were at to seeing and surrendering, right? He wants them to surrender fully to his for, to his who he is and his mission for their life. And they don't fully get that until after after he rises again and, and they're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, are they able to fully see? But you see Jesus taking them through this process. And so I think that is the big picture of what we're looking at today. Now, we're going over 39 verses. So this sermon's not about the transfiguration. We're not going to go deep into every little section of Scripture we're going to look at. But we're trying to take a, a more of a 10,000-foot approach to see... What is Mark communicating? What's going on? What's the big picture? And sometimes it's really helpful to look at Scripture that way, you know. So, so that's what we're going to do. We can't talk about everything in the transfiguration. I mean, th- this, this text that we're going over could easily be four or five sermons, all right. So, so let's look, take a look at it here. We see the transfiguration. And what we learn from this is that faith requires listening to Jesus. All right, get that. If you're taking notes, write that down. Faith requires listening to Jesus. That's what we're going to learn from this. So Jesus takes the uh, inner three, Peter, James, and John, up the mountain. It tells us he's transfigured before them, right? There's this amazing mountaintop experience that these guys get to see. See Jesus in, all, in the fullness of his glory, the, his divine nature being revealed to them. Right, his clothes become dazzling white, like no one could bleach them. This this is an amazing scene, right? Moses and Elijah are there, and I believe they're there by the way to for the disciples to see. Oh, he's not Moses or Elijah. He's not one of the prophets. All those prophets were pointing forward to Jesus, right? He is not one of the prophets. he's God, and and that's what they're they're getting to see, right? As God's building their faith. Now, Peter. Responds with a fearful statement. Right? He suggests building these these tents when he's up there. He doesn't know what to say. Usually, if you don't know what to say, you probably shouldn't say anything. Right? But Peter, if he doesn't know what to say, he's just going to say whatever comes to mind, and he suggests building some tents. Now, it might seem strange to us, but but what he's what he's thinking is is still old covenant. He's thinking about God God's dwelling place being in a tent. Right with, with the tabernacle with the temple, like, hey, this is amazing. God God's gonna dwell here again. But 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 he's misunderstanding, right? Because it's it's not about here and now at that moment. Jesus has a greater plan, right? An eternal plan. And and that's what he's trying to reveal to Peter and the disciples. And then you see another thing here, another thing that shows that they're confused, they're confused right? They're still confused. And in verse 10, you see that they're questioning what this rising of the dead might mean, right? These guys, you see that they don't understand it. And so they ask Jesus this question, why do the scribes say Elijah must come, right? And this is more, a more subtle attempt to resist Jesus's mission, right? This is more subtle than than rebuking Jesus, but they're still resistant. They're not accepting it. They're saying, well, what what about Elijah, right? And so Jesus responds to them with with three things. And I wrote, basically what I I did was I wrote a summary of, of, in my own words, of what Jesus is saying to them. So listen to this. Here's what Jesus is saying to them. This is the summary of verses 12 through 13. He says, yes, Elijah does come to restore all things, But that doesn't eliminate my need to go to the cross. Don't you realize that the scriptures say the Messiah will come, be despised and rejected, be pierced for man's transgressions, and crushed for man's iniquities? By the way, Elijah has come. His name was John the Baptist. And they locked him up and eventually beheaded him. That's what Jesus is saying in those three verses. That's what he's trying to get them to understand. He wants them to know that there's, there's no avoiding the suffering that Jesus is about to face, right? There's no avoiding the cross. They need to accept it. They need to accept it. Suffering is part of God's plan. And in here, my favorite part of it all is in verse 7, right? In verse 7, I was just trying to help you see their confusion so you can understand what's going on when this this cloud rolls in in verse 7. The cloud rolls in, right? Uh, The the, a voice, the voice of God speaks out from the cloud, right? The Father speaks from the cloud, and he says, this is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. So The way I see this is this is a, a divine, shut up and listen to my son, right? He is my son. He, this is the Father confirming to them that, that he is the Messiah, strengthening their faith, and that they need to, to listen to him. They need to stop trying to get Jesus on their terms. They need to stop uh, stop bringing their preconceived notions of what the Messiah should do, right? Stop, stop talking about what the scribes say. Stop and listen to what Jesus is saying. That's what I think the Father is doing here. And this reminded me of, of when I was on the, the freshman basketball team in high school, uh, the worst part of the whole year for me was the preseason when they would just run us like crazy to get us in shape. And so we'd have to run timed suicides to get in shape. So that's when you're running on the court and you have to keep running back and forth, sprinting, and you have to make it under a certain amount of time. Now, I didn't I didn't get this when I was a kid, but the coach is intentionally giving us uh, not enough time so that he can keep running us and running us. Well, I... N- I I was always the slowest guy. I was like the tallest guy. I was clumsy, tall freshman, and I could never make the time. So I was always the one, oh, Chris didn't make it. Let's run again. And so I'd get angry, and I'd start arguing with the coach. But coach, we can't do it. That's too much. That's not enough time. And I'd just argue and complain. And finally, what would happen is my teammates would all look at me. I remember being lined up on the baseline. Chris, shut up. They would yell at me. And then I'd, I'd shut up, and I'd just run my butt off as hard as I could until the coach told us to stop. we could stop running, all right? And so I was hearing what the coach was saying, but I wasn't listening to him because listening involves more than just hearing something. Listening involves accepting and obeying, all right? And even when you look at the Greek word, the, the accepting and obeying are, are part of the, the definition of this listening. So I wasn't listening, and, and this, these disciples are not truly listening to God, right? Because they're not they're hearing what he's saying about the cross, but they're not accepting it, and they're not obeying it, right? They're, they keep resisting. And so I, I just see that as, isn't that us, right? We need to listen to God. Right? A lot of times we don't want to listen to God, but we need to because he, he knows better. right? He knows better. And so instead of listening, we can start blaming. You know, We can make, blame our, our sin on other people. We can minimize our sin. We can make excuses for our sin. We can argue with God about his will for our life, have demands for God about our, uh, his, his will for our life. And, and much of our problems result from lack of listening, right? Sometimes we don't want to, to listen because we're, we're afraid of what God might say. Sometimes we're afraid to listen to God because we're afraid of what He might ask us to, to give up. Sometimes we know what God's already saying to us, and so we keep talking and arguing and resisting because we don't want to listen, right? We don't want to accept and obey what God is saying to us, just like the disciples. You know, it's easy to look at these disciples and like, what is wrong with these guys? Don't they get it? How many times does Jesus have to tell them? And, and then I think like that, and I'm like, oh, man, that's me. <laughs> that's so me. And, and let me tell you, if you don't listen to God, you'll be confused just like the disciples. You'll be confused. You'll resist God's good and perfect will for your life. So I want you to uh, so as we as we before we move on to the next section I want you to even ask yourself is there something that you're not listening to God about? Right? Maybe is, is there something that God's telling you to do and you're you're resisting it, right? You're not accepting it, you're not obeying it. Maybe you're you're trying to talk and make excuses? Right? Is there something maybe it's sharing your faith with someone? Maybe it's maybe it's forgiving someone? Maybe some reconciliation. What, what is it? Maybe there's something that, that you know God wants you to do, but you're not listening. Is there something that maybe God's saying you need to give up, and you're not listening, right? You've already heard. You, you can hear them, but you're not accepting and obeying it. You know. Maybe it's something, a, a, a sin, maybe something sinful in your life that you need to confess. Right. Now's the time. Listen to Jesus. Accept and obey him. So, let's move on to the next section. I want you to keep thinking about that, though, right? Because faith requires listening to Jesus. All right, the next story, let me show you how this ties in here. It's a long, another long passage here, starting in verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And they... And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. By anything but prayer so it's an interesting scene here is you see Jesus and his three disciples they come down off the mountain they see a, this commotion right the the scribes the religious leaders are arguing with his disciples and and, and Jesus comes to find out what's going on and, and the, the the father comes and, and explains things right that is that his son, has an unclean spirit, has this demon that that causes them to have these kind of epileptic type of seizures. Right? And that, and that he had brought his, the disciples had tried to cast the, the demon out of the boy, but they were unable to do so. Right. And so that that caused this, this commotion. And you see, Jesus answered them here in verse 19. He says, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring them to me. Right? Jesus points out the, the fact that these people, all these people are, are lacking in faith. Right? They're lacking in faith. Right? The, the disciples are acting faithless by trying to heal the boy on their own strength. Right? They're, they're trying to do God's work without God. Right? They, they couldn't do it because it required prayer. But they're relying on their own strength. Right? They're not trusting in God. And, you, and then we see the father's own faith struggle, right? When the boy's brought to, to Jesus, the boy is, is th- the spirit throws the boy into a seizure, right? And, and the father cries out, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Notice Jesus' response. If you can, if you can, you know, think about what he's saying. All things are possible to one who believes, Jesus says, so Jesus is saying, if I can, of course I can. Will you believe in me? Do you trust me? Will you put your faith in me? Because I can, of course. Right? That's, 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 that's what he's saying there. Right? And so the, the real question is, 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 does this guy have, have faith in Jesus? Right? Is he trusting in Jesus? And you see immediately the father cries out and says, I believe. Help my unbelief. Right? He pleads to Jesus, and he's the only one here that begins to show faith. He's the only one that shows dependence on God, right? That he's helpless before God, that he can't do it on his own. That's what he's saying, right? I can't do it. I can't heal it. Uh, I can't even make myself have faith. God, help me, which is the right place to be. That's the right place to be because faith requires dependence on God. That's, that's what we learned in this section, that faith requires dependence on God. And when Jesus, when he cries out in faith, this guy doesn't have great faith. He's got really weak faith, but he's got a great object of faith, right? Jesus Christ. So it's not about how, how big his faith is. It's how big the object of his faith is. And he's got the right object of faith, and therefore Jesus heals his son. Now the interesting thing here. Is the disciples are the ones that should have been crying, crying out, "Help my unbelief," right? And I think I think this story is intentionally there to to show that they need to be crying out, "Jesus, help my unbelief. I can't I can't accept your mission. I can't accept the things of God. It's too hard to believe. Help my unbelief, Jesus. That's what they need to be crying out." And and. And we need to cry that out as as well, right? For them to understand the mission of Christ, they're going to need Jesus to to heal, fix their unbelief, right? So faith requires depending on God. And just like those disciples, like they're dependent on themselves, trying to do it themselves, we can depend on ourselves, right? Satan's strategy is to get us to doubt God and depend on ourselves and so we can begin doing life and even trying to do what God God would want us to do on our own strength right try, you know i pastors can even try to do ministry on our on our own strength right without god trying to do it on our own right lacking prayer lacking lacking uh <coughs> dependence and so i think uh, that's what we're learning here that we need to depend on god we got to admit that we can do nothing without him right we're helpless and so especially when you're doing when you're doing god's work without without god's strength right we we can't save anyone we can't we can't open up anyone's eyes we can't give them faith we didn't die on the cross for them so we were we're dependent on god And, and that's what that's what jesus is trying to bring his disciples to Right, so we we have to admit that we can do nothing; that we're helpless. In reality, we're all we're all like the father in this story, right? That that's the right place to be in life is to be like God. Help my unbelief. Help me every day. You know, shape me, mold me, change me. Coming to God and and asking Him for the strength. And, and so, I thought that that was how it ties into this this big picture, all right? So the third story, we see Jesus foretelling his his death for the second time, all right? And we see that faith requires accepting the path of the cross. Let's take a look at it here in verse 30. And they went on from there and uh, passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. Right? So again, Jesus, the the cross is right here in the middle of this. Why? Jesus is trying to get them to understand his mission. Right? The cross is, is central to the Christian faith. Right if there's no cross, there's no salvation, there's no faith, there's no hope, we're lost. Right if there's no cross, you might as well YOLO life, right? You only live once. If there's no cross, you better live it up now. Because there's nothing else. There's no hope for a future. There's no there's no uh, eternity in in God's kingdom. And so so as you look at this, you might think like well, duh, why, why can't they understand the cross? And I think it's easy for us to to say that because we we're on the other side of the cross where we can look back. We can look back and see what Jesus do, has done and how he's the fulfillment of Old Testament scriptures and see the fruit of it. Well, they're on the other side of it, of the side of the cross. And and they don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the benefit of of walking around with the Bible in their hand every day. And, and that's what God's, God's you know, building their faith in the middle of that. So, so faith requires accepting the path of the cross. I mean, there is no other way but the cross. Let's go on to the fourth section here. We've got to kind of move fast because uh, there's a lot of ground to cover. Uh, it's 33 through 37. Read with me. And they came to Capernaum. not me, but him who sent me. So we see here, faith requires humility. And that's what, God, that's what Jesus is building into the life of his disciples here. Right? These, these disciples are arguing. Think about this. They're arguing about who's the greatest. Like this is such a, 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 a childish argument. When you're a kid maybe, uh, did, I don't know if you ever had this, arguing about whose dad was the toughest. Like, oh, my dad will, my dad can kick your dad's butt, right? My dad's, man, my dad's this big, or my dad, my dad can do this or that. And and it shows you how silly their argument is when Jesus asks them, right? Hey, what were you guys talking about on the way over here? Of course, Jesus knows what they're talking about. And they feel so dumb, they don't, they don't say anything, right? They're not like, oh, we we're arguing about Jesus, who's the greatest, right? They just know. No, that was a really dumb argument. (laughs) So Jesus wants to teach them that the world's view of greatness is upside down. Right? The world's view is upside down. God's view is right side up. Right? The world's view of greatness is that we got to be the best and have more money and have more power and prestige. And they want to sit on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus when he's ruling Israel. Right, again, they're thinking physical kingdom. They're not accepting the cross, right, and, and humiliation and death. No, they're thinking thrones and glory and, and power and prestige. And, and, and even the world's picture of greatness is, is not serving others, right? It's having people that serve you. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. And so Jesus tells them in, in verse 35, if you want to be first, you must be last in the servant of all. Right? He's he's reshaping their their thinking on greatness. Because true greatness is is humility. True greatness is is putting people first, serving others, laying down your life for others. That's why John the Baptist is called the greatest man who ever lived, right? His life was totally given to God and it, eventually he's beheaded, right? And and so if you want to be number one in God's kingdom, you have to give your life away. Give it all away. And the more common and and humble the task, the greater the task. And so and the cool thing is about this is that anyone can be great in God's kingdom. Right? You don't have to have more power or more influence. Right, you could be uh, the poorest, uneducated, whatever, and, and be great in God's kingdom if you'll you'll serve, right? If you'll serve, if you'll give your life away for God's kingdom, and so Jesus will will ultimately he'll model to them true greatness by laying down his life on that cross, right? He'll show them what true greatness is, and it's dying. C- cross is not weakness. Or failure, but it's greatness, right? That's the that's the the paradox of the cross, right? That by dying, Jesus conquers Satan's sin and death, right? He does, he achieves greatest, the greatest act is is by through through weakness and suffering. And so he says here, anyone who receives a child in verse 37 in my name receives me and the one who sent me. Right? So anyone who will receive the most lowly of persons, which are children, except Jesus and, and, and the Father, right? And, and I think you might ask, well, why does he use children as an illustration? I think it's because children, they don't have anything to offer you, right? You're not going to get anything back from serving them, right? They don't have anything to pay you. Children are often uh, demanding. Children are often ungrateful, Right? They're going to keep crying for more and more, and you're not going to get anything in return. And so he's saying, be willing to serve people who are ungrateful, who are whining and complaining, and don't give you any gratitude. Right? That's greatness. Being able to serve the lowest of all people. Right? And if you do it for them, you do it for God. So if you want to be great, it requires humility. Humility. It reminds, uh, and one thing, I, I, Pastor Tim Mon from Redemption Gilbert always talks about this idea of fighting for obscurity. I really love this concept that he talks about, and so he tell he 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 talks about it a lot with us. Even pastors that that we should always be looking right. If we want to be great in God's kingdom, we should always be looking for places of, of places where we can serve and just be obscure. Right, no one's gonna notice it. You're not going to get any praise. You're not going to get any thanks. Look for things that keep you humble, right? Don't think you're above any task. Don't think you're above any person. And so I I think that's just great advice. Like if you want to pursue humility and greatness in God's kingdom, we should all be looking for those things. How can I serve, you know, my spouse? And I'm going to serve them in ways they're not even going to know, I'm not gonna get a thanks. Maybe they're not even gonna be grateful for it, but I, but I'm gonna I'm gonna serve God this way, right? How do I in, in, how do I serve my kids this way? They're not <laughs> your kids aren't gonna give you a thanks a whole lot of times, right? So look for places that way. Look for places at your work, right? Look for places that you can fight for obscurity and become humble and low and put yourself below people and serve. You know, maybe it's. I clean up the kitchen. Everyone always at work, everyone always leaves a mess. They leave all their food out. So I clean up the, the kitchen, and no one ever thanks me, but I'm doing it for God's kingdom, right? So just think about those things. And so Jesus wants his disciples to understand and they and that the cross is not failing or losing, right? That the cross is true greatness. And so that's why Jesus is... He's reshifting their ideas of greatness so they can accept the cross. All right. One more, one more small section here. 38 through 40. It says here, for oh, am I reading the wrong spot? Mark nine. Yep. There it is. And John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said to him, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So you see here that God is giving faith to all kinds of people. In this section, what you see here with the disciples is the disciples are jealous. They're jealous. And God's dealing with their jealousy. They're jealous because there's this guy, and he's not with us. Notice they don't say, he say he, he's not following us. He doesn't say he's not following you, Jesus. He's not part of our team. He's not part of our group. And he's casting out demons in your name, Jesus. Could you see how they're jealous? I mean, just one story before we saw that they couldn't cast out a demon and this guy can do it and he's not even on our team right and so jesus is is humbling them again telling them to quit trying to stop us right he he's on our team he's casting out demons in in, in my name he, he's not going to speak ill of me he's not against us he's for us jesus says and so they got to see that God's kingdom work is not just about them; it's not just about them and what they're doing. And so I, I think one thing we can learn from that is, hey, God's not just working through Redemption West Mesa or Redemption Church, right? God's kingdom and and God's plan is much bigger and broader than we could ever imagine. And God's working through other churches and us, other ministries. And I think. Sometimes we could see other stuff, and maybe they don't do things quite like we do, right? And so we can start judging. Or maybe they, they got maybe another ministry has some success that we don't have, and so we can get a little jealous. And so I think, you know, the, the warning here is for us as well, right? Don't get jealous. God's working through all kinds of people. He's giving faith to all kinds of people. And, 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 it's, a, and it's a big humble. Humble yourself. All right. So you see this. All right. I hope you see as I wrap up this ser- sermon that the, Jesus is taking his disciples from blind and demanding, right? Blind and demanding their own way to seeing and surrendering. That's what Jesus is doing in all these stories, right? He, he's, he wants them to, to listen, right? Listen to what I'm saying. Accept and obey my mission. He's saying, cry out. Help my unbelief, right? You need me to, to build your faith, Jesus is showing them, right? He's showing them you need to accept the cross. The cross is the only way. He's showing them that uh, that they, this faith requires humility, right? And that he's reorienting their, their view of greatness. Do you see that? And then he's saying, and, and he's trying to bring them to further humility that, that it's not just about you guys, right? He's, he's bringing them down low and saying, my kingdom's bigger, and, and it's greater, and I'm working, and I'm moving. And, I, and so I hope you can see that, and I hope we can see that we're just like the disciples, right? We need to listen, accept and obey God's will for our lives. We need to cry out, help my unbelief. Especially when we, get, be, we begin trying to to do life on our own without God, right? When we start walking in the flesh it, is when we have problems. When we're not accepting the, the path of the cross and suffering and even the suffering that God calls us to, right? When we're, when we're trying to elevate ourselves over others or, or other ministries. So this word is just it's for the disciples and it's for us and it was for me this week as well so let me pray lord jesus i i pray lord that you uh would do something with this in our heart lord that this would bear fruit in our heart that you could uh humble us lord to accept your will for our lives i pray that if there's something that you're putting on anyone's heart that that they need to listen, to accept, and obey, Lord. That they would, I pray, Lord, that we would stop walking in the flesh, Lord. That we would walk in the spirit, and not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, Lord. That we would be dependent on You, Lord. I, I, and I pray, Lord, that You would, that we would see true greatness as, as serving others, Lord. That we would find ways to fight for obscurity, and to make ourselves low. Lord, do that work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.